0: You were raised to believe the world was black and white. But what if it isn't? What if the rigid belief system you have never questioned is wrong? What if the world is actually a lot more gray? This show is for the seekers, the explorers, those brave enough to step outside of certainty and question everything. Join your hosts as they sit across from the world's leading thought leaders, visionaries, religious gurus, entrepreneurs, philosophers, and more to tackle difficult topics You don't need all the answers to find meaning in life, but you should be free to ask all the questions. This is figuring it out. Hey, what's going on everybody. Welcome back to another
1: episode of the figuring it out podcast. Today, uh, we're excited to talk about a topic. We don't get to talk about very often, which is in the health, fitness, nutrition category. And if anybody knows what they're talking about, when it comes to this kind of stuff, it is our guests today, Jamie, Stephanie, thank you guys so much for taking the time to join us on the show.
2: Thank you
3: for so having us. Is. We're excited to
1: be here. So before we jump into some tactical practical stuff which is really where we like to be, um I'd love to get a little bit of context for those listening who may not know who you guys are. Um if you could each just we'll start with Stephanie move to Jamie uh do like, you know, 30 seconds to a minute zoomed out overview of uh what your life has looked like leading up to this point. All
3: right. Well,
2: Our stories are the same. So. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> is. Uh,
3: yeah, we were. Go. Yeah, we. Jamie had a gym, basically uh, that he was running, and I came on as a well, basically hired a spot to personal train my girls. So we're both personal trainers in the gym. It was um,
2: about
3: eight, ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, and then we eventually we weren't together back then, of course, but we were just working with each other, and then moved, got closer. <laughs> it's a short story, uh, got closer together. Um, and then we went online basically with our businesses because things became so busy and we also also merged. So he kind of stopped doing what he was doing to throw everything into, his, into what I was doing basically to help me grow, uh, which I don't think he expected it to take off like it did, which is great. But he was honestly coming from a place of love and just like I want to see you just flourish and I want to just, you know, stop everything for you. Um, so that's basically what he did and we've been working together ever since.
1: Cool. What, when was that? What year was that?
2: 2016, we got yeah. together.
3: Yeah. Okay. That
2: was, like, that was like a very elevated pitch. There was a lot.
3: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I totally <laughs> skipped like everything. But I...
2: Do you want a colorful pitch or is the <laughs> elevated pitch okay?
1: No, no, that's good. That's a good place yeah. for us to start because now we can kind of unpack a little bit of what happened there. So uh, you were kind of going traditional route, physical gym location, uh, personal training, one-on-one type stuff. Uh, was it really the introduction of social media that made you start taking a second look at what you could potentially do together?
2: It happened so organically. So me growing up, I was always interested in videography. And what happened when Seth was training in the gym, I started uh, coaching her just as a, as a friend with uh, powerlifting because that was kind of my jam at the time. And she hadn't had much experience, but she was working in this powerlifting gym. So she came and said, I'd like to learn. So I said, Yeah, sweet. Let's uh, let's go through a couple of sessions. And it turned out she was really good at it. She was strong. She had a great foundation.
3: I actually don't think I was good at it. I think he was just throwing like heavy no. weights at me and <laughs> just lift. lift it.
2: Yeah, but you could lift it. So <laughs> it must mean you could. I was
3: like, What if I
2: But yeah, so, and then what happened over time as we started uh, working out together more, um, because at the time, Steph was already doing a little bit of stuff on social media, but predominantly just pictures and trying to share her. Fitness progress that way.
3: You know those dirty mirror selfies. That was
1: be- <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah, me and you both. Yeah, that's I got on that one. too many mirror selfies. So. Yeah. Cool. Well,
2: anyway, I challenged the mirror selfies, and I said, "Hey, maybe you should uh, consider doing like filming some workouts." I think that that could be really cool. It could get a good response. Plus, I like doing some video stuff um what do you think and there was a little bit of resistance oh my gosh I was like no
3: (laughs) I I did not want to be filmed training because I know that I looked really ugly when I was training and I also (laughs) knew that I'd be putting myself out there vulnerably for people to be able to attack me and one of my biggest fears is like rejection so to physically like put my stuff out there was just like the worst thing in my mind I was like you're crazy I'm not doing that Uh -uh. that's not for me
2: Basically, I just said, it's all right, I'll film anyway.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was yeah, going to ask, so,
1: like, why did, why did you do it then if, if, you, if you were that fearful of rejection? Is
3: something about this guy that he's just, he makes you feel like, you, you know, everything's all good, like, it's fine, don't worry, like, I'm just going to film it and you don't even have to put it out there. You don't even, I'm just going to film it, see what happens,
2: so. I still remember, I think, the first video that was, like, uh, it was a bit scary. But then once, like at that time, I think there was probably maybe 90 or 100,000 followers, so still great. But um, back in those days, there wasn't as much traction. There might have been, like, 40-ish comments on a on a post or a video, um, whereas now it's, like, thousands kind of thing, so you're getting a lot more feedback. But I think, uh, I don't know, you just you took the plunge and then obviously it paid off. And then when it came to, like, uh, strategic, though, I know that you mentioned before, like what did you see potential? And then it just happened. Like I didn't necessarily consciously see potential as a business, but I did see potential in Steph. Um, I thought what she was doing was really incredible and amazing. And I just enjoyed videoing. So it was never a potential in the business. It was always a potential in her. And then I kind of just ran with that Um, and never even treated it like a business. But yet after over time, I guess, deals started coming in and we started seeing some monetary gain as things started building traction. And then it took a long time before I personally was able to make that switch from I'm just helping out this this girl I love as opposed to now let's treat it seriously like a business, and uh, which has kind of progressed us into what we're doing now. But it's, um, it happened very organically. It wasn't like a uh, planned out, like,
1: like into this and this and this. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was essentially just like posting consistent content, and your following just really started growing organically at that point. 100%.
4: Where did when did Sweat come into the process, Steph? I'd be really curious on that part of like. So did you build all of it before, and then you started the relationship with like Kayla with Sweat and everything, or how did that come about?
3: Yeah, so I think I uh, I think I was at yeah. I was at a million. I think we Love built. Instagram. Yeah, we built yeah. It to a million, and then I had her pop into my DMs and saying, ah, "Okay." You know, uh, let's meet up. I want to have a chat to you. So we met up with her and Toby, who was the CEO at the time, yeah. um, and uh, had a chat with them. We were actually in the middle of signing on to do our own app. Um, okay. I had the contract actually sitting on my bench at home, and I said, listen, like, I'm about to go and do it myself. And they're like, no, 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 like, we want to do it with you. This is what we're doing. And I really loved what they were about, mm-hmm. um, you know, the women and the community. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe – We'll take all the guesswork out because it's a lot to do your own app. Like there's a lot of that you have to do. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh. You know we are pretty busy. Let's just go with them. So we did, um, and it turned out to be pretty awesome because we learned so much through going with Sweat and also being around their community and their team and their value system. So it was like a really good move for us. And um, yeah,
2: it was great mentorship throughout that whole business from a marketing perspective. Like yeah. we obviously learned things along the way, but I think when you work with people that have obviously made a big impact in the industry at large, then yeah, there was some great takeaways there that helped. Progress things over the last few years. It's been three years with them now. Yeah,
3: yeah, three years. Yeah.
1: So awesome. why? I'm curious as to why you guys chose this niche to begin with. Like, what? What was just something that was a part of your lifestyle in terms of being healthy or working out, or how did that all come about? When you know, before you had the hundreds of thousands of followers, or before you opened a gym, clearly fitness or nutrition was a part of your lifestyle at that point already. So why? How, how did that come about?
2: So it happened very differently between the two of us. For me, I was just like uh, sort of – I started training, weight training at around 17 or 16, uh, primarily just based off insecurities. I thought I was a out-of-shape kid that was trying to impress – Hot chicks like Steph. He was
3: like jacked. In school. <laughs> I looked back at his school photos and he was like the only jacked kid, like with actual full on muscle. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, if I had been at your school and saw you, I would have had the biggest crush on you. <laughs> 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 Even though I'm like, what, six years older than you? There is
1: an age gap there. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was
3: like having babies when he was in school. Yeah. So wrong. It,
1: it might have been an inappropriate relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have been back then, <laughs> anyway. be in jail
3: by now. But, yeah. um, <laughs>
2: yeah so that's how I got into it I had a, um, a mate and a cousin of mine actually that was into it and they kind of introduced me and I just did it to like anyone to feel better about themselves um, but then quickly fell in love with that far more than any of the schoolwork that I was doing at the time <laughs> and um, it became like a, what I was studying as opposed to the schoolwork I should have been studying and then um, the moment I left school I went straight into personal training so I had a dream of when I was probably 16 or 17 to open up a gym and work in that industry because it was so transformative in my own personal life, um, which then led to us meeting because uh, what one part you missed out before that story in the intro is that we met uh, about four or five years before Steph came to the gym that I was running at the time. Um, so we'd known each other for a long time and the way in which we met was I was working at a gym that she was a patron of, just a member going, so we'd sort of had a friendship or relationship for a long period of time, but your introduction to fitness was quite different.
3: Yeah, so I hated fitness. (laughs) I didn't like being uncomfortable. I didn't like sweating. I didn't like anything about it. Like, it's not for me. I have no one in my family at the time that was into fitness. Like, it just wasn't, like, we come from a very creative family, like drama and, like, you know, my brother was in radio and all that kind of thing. So, like, yeah, it was just so far from what, I was attracted to but uh however i was married um before jamie and i had two kids to my uh, ex-partner and um we eventually separated uh probably mainly because i come from a religious background and when i was uh how old was i i think i was 19 i fell pregnant and my parents were like you got to get married and i was like they like do the right thing um coming from that religious background so i got married. Uh, when I was 16 weeks pregnant. Um, I'd only been with, he was like my second boyfriend over, ever, and I'd only been with him for like six months, and now I was marrying him. Uh, it was really quick, so I don't think we had that time to, uh, I guess, really get to know each other and, and be in love. It wasn't the fairy tale of what I would have hoped for for a wedding or a family, uh, but I, I, you know, gave it a really good hot crack in all these years and have another child and whatever. Well, not, not, but condensing another really long story, but basically that, that marriage ended and I found myself becoming a single mother of two children that needed my full-time support and I needed a job <laughs> because <laughs> I found to become, a, you know, a mother and had left all of my work and he was out working and I was staying at home with the kids. So um, when they were my full-time responsibility, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have to pay f- for, you know, everything that they need. So I was looking through the paper, and then I saw that uh, the government at the time, so I was getting government support, was giving away a some courses for free, and this was a personal training course at the time. I'm like, awesome! I can like get some cash, like I can just train these people, and then I can work my own hours around these kids, and I'm like, perfect. So then I went and studied it uh, for the reasons of just basically surviving. So that's how I kind of came into the fitness space huh. for the just putting food and bread on the table for my children. Um, and I think, yeah, once I studied it and started to actually work with people is where I really found the love for fitness. Um, as I saw it transforming people and I saw it what it did to your mental health and to your body, I just, yeah, I saw it so differently instead of just like, you're fat, go to the gym, I'm uncomfortable, I'm sweating. You know, the whole yeah. <laughs> like, that's, why, that's the truth. That's like why people ha- are really like a little bit um, resistant when it comes to training because they just, They look at themselves and think, oh, this is just to punish myself. I don't want to do this. So, yeah, Yeah. I just looked at it from a totally different perspective and I really wanted to help people. And, um, yeah, that's how I kind of kicked it off. It wasn't. There's
2: one part she's missing to that story, though, (laughs) which is when after you got pregnant for the first time, Steph gained 25? Oh,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: 25 kilos throughout that that pregnancy. Mm. So there was like this whole, I think that was probably what started getting you into fitness. Well, at that time it was just running because he was nervous about going to gyms but starting uh to try and get the post post body baby back post baby body back
3: yeah and like that's what i had learned in my course because i did it after i started training or or running after i had the pt course and um yeah it was just like that was just one of the things i thought that you should do cardio 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 uh now that I know there's other ways, that's great because I really hate
4: cardio. <laughs> same. <laughs> but, uh, and you changed that for me, actually. I was the exact same way because I went through your entire build program and I'm on your resistance program right now, but at all 40 weeks of build right after I had my daughter. So I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. same thing. I hate cardio, but you yeah. made me like weightlifting because I always thought weightlifting <laughs> is just for men. When I saw you know, I'm, okay, she looks great. So I can look like her and do what she does. <laughs> then I'm on spot on where I need to be. <laughs> That's
3: amazing. One of
2: the biggest things I think that people assume about Steph when they see her, because if you just were to look at her now, you would think, oh, she's always done weights. She's obviously uh, great at what she does. But they fail to realize that she had all of those same fears that, like, general population uh, women have about training, that it's going to turn you into a man that's going to make you too bulky or too fat or whatever it might be, right? But, like, she started running before she ever touched a weight, and the only reason why you transitioned into that oh know, well yeah sorry
3: i probably should tell you why i actually transitioned it wasn't just because i hated cardio after my second child um when i went to do the same thing to lose the weight uh just, run <laughs> uh, my pelv, my um my Pelican. pelvic floor <laughs> i never really talked about this my <laughs> pelvic floor uh had some issues so i had a prolapse and I couldn't run anymore. So the pavement, uh, the heavy, you know, co- uh, what? I can't speak today. Impact. impact. <laughs> I'm having so much coffee. My more all scattered. Um, the impact from the concrete uh, was not good on my... Um, so yeah so i decided to i I love the feeling of exercise uh so i'm like what else can i do without the heavy running and all that kind of stuff but still get the same feeling so i started weight training for that reason i'm like yeah (laughs) yeah, it started in my shed you know the biceps (laughs) um, dumbbells that you can buy and you can like change the weights on them yes I brought like and they're in a little suitcase like I brought one of them from one of our local like sports stores here and <laughs> I would just bicep curl and try and throw it up and press it in the shed when the kids were sleeping I no idea what you no idea what I was doing and I just got some jacked arms that was about it <laughs> My old body was more, like, skinny. but um yeah that's how it started and I just ended up loving it I'm like oh this stuff feels so much better than you know that heavy running I'm like I'm actually. Feeling like I'm doing something and I'm yeah. getting torn. like this is awesome. So I like, yeah, it's like I'm onto something here. Yeah, so yeah, crazy. yeah.
2: but from a um, like for someone that doesn't know that story. Like with Steph as a female training with weights, yeah. like you have to realize that it started purely cardio, yeah. but then transitioned to a cement dumbbell set in a garage, <laughs> yes. then transitioned into a female-only gym.
3: Oh, I was so scared of going into a commercial gym. I was, like, worried. took
2: a, took a few years with that and then um, eventually, over a lot of convincing, came yeah. to it, the gym that I was working at at the time, which was just a standard commercial gym. Yeah. But, like, it's easier to see her now as, like, the, this gym queen that sort of uh, lifts heavy weights and stuff like that, but it definitely didn't start that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. uh, I'm I'm curious on just from a, a fitness perspective, can you guys kind of, and this is for either one of you, uh, to, to answer, uh, for somebody listening, that's like total mind blown right now that they're thinking like, wait, I can, I can do something besides run, or I can do something besides just pure cardio and it'll actually help me lose weight and be healthy. And, uh, and, and it, it's not going to make me hate working out. And like, how, what does that how, that's news to me. Can you kind of talk into why that's, uh, uh actually something that's true for, uh, most people?
2: Yeah. I think that there was a real shift. You see big shifts in any industry, but the fitness industry in particular, there's big shifts. Like in the nineties, I think it was very much like, you know, cardio is kind of the thing, aerobics classes for women particularly. And like, you also have to like, if you really go back even to the sixties, like when Arnold and those people came on the scene and stuff like that in the gym, like you often hear them talk and it really was like a male-dominated domain initially. Like weight training hasn't actually been around that long in the grand scheme of things. And the people that first got into it was was men. And it took a long time before, you know, I guess women were able to feel like, hang on, I can do this too, which they absolutely can. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why it took so long. Like, uh, and then you've got magazines and things like that that are pushing like, These are. This is how women train. Even movies, like you see women in aerobics classes, or you know, jumping up and down, or doing running, or this or that. And then it's only been in recent times where that trend has kind of changed. And now, like the strong look is in. It used to be like skinny, like Victoria's Secret size zero, whatever. And now it's coming into like you know, strong is the new sexy, or whatever you want to call it. Where girls now are finding that you know, having a bit of muscle actually complements their curves and makes them look great, makes them look more feminine. It doesn't actually have that same Masculine appeal that they might have initially thought, Um, and I think like Seth is a great testament to that. But in regards to like people first assuming that I have to do this, I think it was part of that, like you know, almost propaganda within the industry. But then also just from an evolutionary standpoint, like that's just what what was pushed upon people, and that's all they thought they could do. Yeah. Um, But like it's so funny, like whenever someone asks us a question, which we get a lot of. Um, about like, you know, how do I lose weight or how do I do this? And my answer is the same every single time, which is it depends. It depends on who you are and what you're trying to achieve personally because how you lose weight, there's many complexities within that. It's not just about, you know, how can I create a situation where you're going to lose weight because like we all, I think it's fair to say we all know how to lose weight to a certain degree. Like even people that aren't overly educated know that, okay, I've got a diet, I've got to do some form of exercise. Like that's not actually the, the hard part to understand. The hard part to understand is what can I do as a plan for me that I'm actually going to be compliant with because compliance is the number one thing that is going to create the result that you want. And if that's not there, then it's pointless me giving you some diet that you're never going to do. Or it's pointless me trying to write out some program that you absolutely hate. So, for example, like for the girls that jump on a treadmill and think this is what I've got to do, punish myself, like Steph said before, like that always has a time span before they get to this point where they say, you know, F this, I don't want to do this. I'll either give up, um, but, you know, without necessarily seeking a different way because there is so many ways that you can achieve the same result and it doesn't just have to be a certain way of doing it, whether that be treadmill or weights. Like if you love the treadmill, go hit the treadmill. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. So it's 100% dependent on the, on the person and it's a, from our experience
1: anyway. The, the more I talk to uh fitness ec- like, you know, experts or whatever, um, the more I start to realize that the ones that are actual experts are the ones answering the question like that, rather than like trying to subscribe everybody to this one thing that like, if you just get rid of everything else and follow this one meal plan. You get rid of everything follow this one exercise plan. It's going to work. It's you know, it's just it, it 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 just is not the way that we're built. We all have <laughs> different body types, we have different metabolism, we have different genetics and something that works for somebody else might not be the same thing that works for me. And so I think, you know, changing the goal from Uh, from somebody else's goal into whatever makes you healthy and happy and increases your longevity in life and your overall ability to accomplish things and feel good about yourself during the day is probably the thing that you should be doing,
2: right? There's an interesting principle you remind me of when I first started uh, as a trainer. What generally happens, I think part of the reason why people get so obsessive about one way is that they do a way and it works for them. Yeah, And then I get really attached to that way. So I had that same experience where I followed a program and a way of eating and it gave me great results. So I thought like, this is the way. And I was like, at that time, looking back at it maybe 10 years ago, I was very adamant that like, this is the only way that people should be doing it. And I was really critical and judgmental of any other way of doing things. But there's a really good principle, I've forgotten the name of it, but Whenever you first start learning something, it's very easy to become arrogant and assume that you know everything because one thing one way is works for you. Yeah. But as you do more within the industry, you work out how little you actually know. So you go through this <laughs> period of feeling like you know everything to this period of actually I know nothing. There is infinite possibilities within this industry. And that actually is a much smarter approach, in my opinion. Yeah, because right. it's like I said, it's so many different ways that you can go about it.
4: I'd like to switch the conversation a little bit. I know that you guys are obviously work together. I'd love to get a little bit of tips and tricks for the what has worked for you guys. Obviously, you work together and share a life together. and That's a whole new dynamic as we've obviously we have kids too, and do it to an extent and now started doing it figuring it out. And that's one of the things that I would really like to touch on is kind of are there any like non-negotiables for you guys that you guys do in your relationship? Do you separate work even to an extent with like clear roles or anything like that. Just what, what's some advice that you have for our listeners who do happen to work to with each other. Like you guys do.
3: I think, um, to be honest, it all starts with communication. Yep. Like.
2: We call it a the seaweed.
3: The seaweed. <laughs> 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 and it seems so basic, but I feel like, you know, if I'm running around being crazy, trying to do everything and I don't communicate to him that I'm feeling overwhelmed and that maybe could he help with something else. He can't help me if he doesn't know. There's no point me feeling that and then getting angry at him because he's not either picking up the slack that I feel like he needs to pick up. And by the way, he's so good. He does everything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to ever pick up the slack He's pretty good. But, um, you know, just making sure that I'm not holding in the resentment or all of these things. Like, he's not always going to know when I'm moody. Um, even though it's pretty obvious because I throw my hair around and track it, <laughs> I make it pretty obvious that I'm moody, but like, it's always good. Like it, with men, it's a bit different because they might, may not react as women do. So if he's overwhelmed or something's going on, what he does is he goes inward. So he goes quiet, gets into the office, distracted. And then I know that he's overwhelmed or something's going on or there's too much going on. Um, so I can be more aware uh, that he's going through something. So I will communicate to him instead of him having to communicate to me and expect that. Um, and then once we open up the can of worms, I'm like, oh, come on, what's going on? Like he's he's pretty good at communicating. But I think, yeah, just having that awareness with each other that even just being present enough to notice and then communicating about it is it's really, really, really important so that it doesn't build up and then issues don't get worse, especially when you are around each other all the time and you have to work plus play plus you know be with each other it can be very easy to get stuck in your own lane and just be focused on you and not even see what's going on so just yeah having that presence communicating and being aware
2: yeah i think having the presence of knowing when you get triggered let's say which is inevitable in any relationship intimate or otherwise But for me, what I've found, like within our relationship particularly, like it's been the most transformative aspect of my life, far beyond anything else that I've ever done. Um, Partly because of who Steph is, Um, Steph's very has been incredible from my growth in the sense that she's always seeing uh, limitations. She's always seeing areas in which I can work on, and she's got a way of communicating that that is very challenging which wasn't wasn't uh, necessarily something that I appreciated or was ready to hear at the start of our relationship. It took me a long time to actually drop my ego and see that, hang on, there's actually a lot of wisdom in some of the things that she says, even though she might not be packaging it in a way that makes me feel good. You know, I always say that she gives me what I need, not necessarily uh, what I want when it comes to actually managing some sort of conflict. But I think what's helped uh, me from a male's perspective at the time is just appreciating any feedback, whether you like it or not, um, especially from a working sense. You know, I think that once you start to become aware of when you're going to get triggered, whether that you know be that you get anxious about something or angry or sad or whatever it might be, like all of those states come from the same place in the sense that they make you less of who you really are, you know, and I think that the more presence you can gain, around that of actually maintaining who you are from a centered place, it means that like over time you start getting great insight into maintaining your core and maintaining, you know, your own spiritual essence if we call it that. And I think that from that perspective, like if you can, if I could give one piece of advice, (laughs) so I think men particularly as, as well as women, I guess, but if you can learn to drop the ego and hear what she actually says, then oftentimes you will find great wisdom in what it is that she's trying to communicate because one thing that I often find guys tend to assume is that like if they've got a partner that might be saying something or they might assume that they're nagging or whatever else it might be, you have to realise that she's chosen to be with you, she's investing in you, therefore she has an invested interest to make you become the best man that you can be. She's not there to be a nag and just annoy you. Like if she's giving you feedback, she's doing that from a place of attempting to lift you up and become all that you can be. And it took me a long time to work that out. But once I did, like, our, any of the conflicts that we might have had earlier on it diminished tenfold. And, like, all of a sudden now I've found that, you know, within our relationship we've been a whole lot more productive, like, just launching a new business now and things are moving in a far better direction than what they have had before. And it was like a big part of it was attributed to just doing that one thing, like just dropping oh. the ego, hearing what she says. And that's been one of the most transformative aspects of my life.
1: Do you guys try to spend any um, or have any rules around spending time alone or time apart from each other with as much time as you're together?
3: <laughs> I, uh, I have a big smile on my face because – I love suffocating Jamie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to be around him (laughs) 24-7, whereas he actually needs his him time. I, I do think that's a male thing. Uh, mm. that men need their, like, cave time to solve problems, <laughs> reconnect with themselves, have a break from nagging women or chaos, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> I find, yeah, that he needs more of a break than me. Um, and you, to be honest, you get up super early, like at 4 a.m. to have it.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I found that. that really
3: cool. <laughs> and that's it's not, no joke. <laughs> it's, not even,
2: it's not even just a break from Seth, though. It's a break from the world. Like, yeah, from everything, so- yeah. Yeah, it goes a level deeper than that, you know. Like I, I find that, you know, when I would just like even me coming into this relationship and stepping straight into a parenting role, given that I'm a step-parent to uh, our two kids, yeah. is that like that was a huge adjustment for me and I did that at 23 years old. Um That's young, yeah. So, yeah, so the kids were six and eight when I stepped into that role and I had like, you know, you think back to when you were 23, I was I was just not equipped for that at all emotionally. Um, or maturity. Not
1: equipped for that when you're 33, bro.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah or I 53. <laughs> so What I found was, um, you know, having, coming from this place of like, I wake up and I've got no one to answer to other than myself um, and just going about my day at my own time, having no responsibilities outside of keeping myself fit, healthy and whatever um, to then go into this situation where I'm waking up and I've got like young kids running around screaming and like all of a sudden we're working together and, Just every time we wake up, it seems like we wake up into chaos Um, and that's not a a sense of them. That's just life. Like life is chaos in many ways. Um, I found that in order for me to actually, again, maintain that my center, I have to actually it takes effort, you know, and what I found was if I was to like literally the only time that I was able to ever get it was if I was to wake up before anyone else. And if I do that and then have a period or just a moment to myself to kind of find that centre, then it means that I can maintain that throughout the rest of the day and be a much better, whether it be parent or partner or worker or whatever it might be. You know, that yeah. I think that it's, um, it's yeah, almost more from a productivity standpoint than necessarily just needing time away from you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, not just that. I'm always bursting
3: into the office. I'm like, did you miss me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, like, coming in and annoying him. But I think, secretly, he loves that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he does talking a little about parenting i'd be curious obviously you guys are so health-minded and fitness-minded and um how old are your kids now they 12 14 and 12 yeah, yeah. 12. okay so do you do any things like with that side of it then like do you do anything purposefully to make them already start on that like health and fitness journey of like caring about your body and all those things i don't know if they're girls or not but affecting that too on like your confidence level on both sides and are there any mindsets that you're trying to instill in them at a young age to have the mindset that you guys have now obviously later on in life
2: So girl and boy the uh, girl it's the younger one boy is the older one I think that one thing that Seth did uh, really well when I when we first started was she never really pushed it upon them in terms of like eating healthy or being active or whatever else it might be. She's always just led by example. That was something that I noticed when we first started. Um, and interestingly enough, like they weren't overly interested uh, within fitness or eating healthy or whatever. And she, it's not like a tyrant parent where she's saying like, no, you can't have this and you can't have that. Like she gives them plenty of freedom and flexibility to enjoy a nice treat here or there within reason, like you do a great job making sure they get all their essential nutrients, et cetera, um, but not so much so that, like, you can't have a lolly or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, over time what happened was I think just from that example that, that she sort of did and then I guess I did when I came on board was that they naturally just kind of started becoming interested in it. And we've got a gym at home and, like, the uh, Diesel, the, um, the boy, he started... Gradually, it was a little bit of a push, but gradually uh, got in there and then once he uh, overcame the first bit of the intimidation of I don't know what I'm doing or this feels uncomfortable, whatever, now he often sneaks out there and um, and does a little session by himself or tries to break a PV or whatever else it might be. Um, and then he's also just started boxing as well, um, which has been great for him.
3: Because they're both going through their teenage hormones, it was either box his <laughs> sister's head in or just pop. <laughs> Fair, fair. But <laughs> running through his body, and we noticed that he was becoming increasingly, uh, what's the word, like aggressive uh, towards uh, okay. her. We're like, oh, okay, this is a new change. I um, mean, she's bloody annoying, so like, I can understand. <laughs> but, like,
0: yeah. hears, like, I love the honesty. Sometimes. No, but she's like, so she's,
3: like, like even this she's morning. Pester. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're like having a go but um yeah so she's she's a little mother so she nags it's like he has a wife she's nagging him all the time have we brushed your teeth have you done this why is this on the floor and i can see why um but yeah so he started boxing and that's really helped he's like that whole like transition with the testosterone is now like leveled and he's normal again (laughs) like when i say it, it was like bad he went like three months of just being angry and like even the way he spoke to us i'm like what is this crap like i'm over this Uh, you know it was such a big transition but yeah it's leveled out now and i'm grateful for that because i was scared yeah
2: it's so important to have some sort of energy that they can pour into rather than their siblings or us you know (laughs) where they are going through these hormonal (laughs) changes which has been a very different period for us yeah but then yeah maya the younger one as well like we were thankful that she actually found something she enjoyed over many many years um, of trying different things, and she's just recently got into gymnastics. so recently
3: she's she your six. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, but then she had a break, and then she came back. Yeah, that well, we like,
3: had COVID, that's right.
2: Yeah, but um, yeah, she's uh, she really enjoys that as well. So they're both quite active, uh, in very different domains. And but.
3: Diesel, actually, the eldest, has um, celiac disease, so his diet he has to be spot on. So he's always been okay. really, really Um, and like, it was crazy. Uh, a couple of years ago, we didn't know he had it because uh, his dad had it and his dad is, like, 40 years old and only, only like, two years ago he found out he had celiacs and it's, um, it's hereditary. So once he found out, I'm like, oh, we should get the kids tested and then, yeah, Diesel came up positive. Um, so, yeah, he had huge diet changes. He could never put on weight and I just thought he was always just skinny and tall and that's, you know, how he was. But mm-hmm. even since then he's gained, like, seven kilos, I think, since, you know, having the celiacs diet and that's more preparation but it's really healthy and that works really well with him the daughter however could work a little bit harder on her (laughs) sugar intake and I find that sugar is in everything like everything it's like hidden on labels if you buy like a low fat it's higher sugar like it's just like you have to be really really careful um but yeah she could probably do a little bit better but at the same time I don't ever like like, push her heavily and say, sugar's bad, sugar's bad. I, like, I always try and teach what I'm saying. If she's like, oh, mum, I've got, like, and girls at this age, by the way, are talking about their weight, even younger, um, especially because what they see on social media with all the perfect bodies and filters and whatever, um, they are impacted by that if your kids are on social media um, at a young age. Um, so, yeah, I noticed her saying things like, and this is going to make me sound like such a bad parent, but because I was talking to another mum about this who had the same issues with her daughter. She's like, you know, my daughter's like calling herself fat and she's like not eating at the table, not eating dinner. And I was like, oh, that's really full on. I said, I'm dealing kind of with the same thing. But my daughter is like a little piggy. She's just eating at the table. She's calling herself fat, but then like eating heaps. So it's a different situation. But (laughs) I was like, she's like grabbing her tummy. She's like, I just want abs. I want to get rid of this. I'm like, well, may I stop eating sugar? Like I'm not going to say, oh, no, you're beautiful just the way you are. Like reality is if you don't want it, that little pop bit, don't eat sugar. Like, And then she's like, yeah, well, okay, maybe tomorrow. And it's like like, general. So I'm coming at it from a different thing because my mother was always like, I was always complaining about my weight when I was little. I remember this is like I've never told anyone this before and this is probably going to like be weird. But I remember being, uh, I think I was like 14 and I was in the shower and I remember looking down at my stomach because I've come from an Italian family, so we used to eat pasta, like a lot of carbs, like, and we weren't active. And I remember looking down at my stomach and I grabbed it, like grabbed the fat, and I said, no one's ever going to marry me. And I started crying in the shower. This was at, like, 14. And I was like, so I, like, can think how, you know, kids today, if I felt like that, having no social media or anything like that about myself as a little, a little girl, I can imagine how, the little girls now are feeling um yeah. but my mom always used to say to me you know you're beautiful Jeff, blah, blah 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 and it never ever encouraged me <laughs> yeah like, i know that, like i know that's beautiful for my mother but that doesn't encourage me to want better for myself oh cool i'm good i'm beautiful as i am like yeah. i don't have to fix it like if yeah. my daughter's complaining about something i'm like you know what i love you you don't like it honey this is how you fix it yeah and, and i think that's beautiful her, yeah i give her the option and i give her the choice i'm not yeah. going to go she knows, she, she knows I love her. She knows she's beautiful, but I'm not going to go give her that fake crap like, oh, you're yeah. all good, when I can seriously see that she's not happy with herself. Like I'm like, yeah. you can fix it, man. Huh? Just change your diet. Have less sugar. You'll be fine. Stay active. You're doing all the right things. Like, yeah. you know. So it's just yeah. different parenting. I don't know if that's because I am a younger parent. I am so I understand it. Yeah, uh, in the, the day and age that we're living in, or if it's just my mindset around what I wish that I had when I was younger. So, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I'm still figuring it out. I could be <laughs> totally damaging my daughter right now and don't even know it, but that's how we're attacking it, it's just keeping it real and saying, you know, you can fix anything yeah. that you're not happy with. Yeah. It's funny. It's <laughs> always, funny from... You always go quiet when I talk about stuff like this. No, you're no, like, no. Ah. <laughs> 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 don't. It's funny,
2: like, um, we had very different upbringings, me and Steph. Mm-hmm. Like um, my, uh, my parents were very uh, nurturing, caring, and came from that philosophy of like, you're great how you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course it was like that, but there was also some challenges along the way. Um, but, yeah, I found that um, as a consequence of that, of me thinking that I'm great the way I am in many different ways, as beautiful as that is, it, it there is a limit in that. In the sense of it, it deludes you, or into thinking that everything about yourself that you might not like um, is just a, okay, and and you just have to accept it. Right? Almost, there's this strange thing in the culture now where it's like, if you don't like, it's almost like people feel bad for not liking something about themselves. Mm. Like, I just, I just should be able to accept everything about me, and that's like. Like, we all have our insecurities. We all have our baggage. Like, we all want to care who you are. Like, everyone's got something that they probably don't necessarily like about themselves. You wouldn't be human otherwise. But then for someone to say, you know, just accept it and just love yourself when deep down you're hating this aspect of yourself and it actually could be improved and changed if you put in some sort of effort towards it, sometimes it, um, yeah, it seems almost counterproductive in a sense. Like, I think that there's a different message between, like, you're okay the way you are, don't worry about it. As opposed to you're okay the way you are and you can fix it. If that makes sense, I'm not probably articulating that well. Like you're, you're, you have the ability or the capacity to make a difference or to make a change within yourself that you don't like. And you have that within you. But yeah. you don't necessarily have to just sit back and accept that, you know, this is yeah. why I am. Just Pretend that. that you're happy and
3: that you should yeah. love yourself. Like, yeah, please work on loving yourself. That's really important. But at, at the same time, be real with yourself. If you're not happy, and you know that you could actually be better if you fixed the issue, uh, then that's I think that's loving yourself more.
4: So- yeah. Absolutely, I would agree with that for sure. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's like you, you shouldn't be encouraging mediocrity if mm-hmm. it's going to lead down that path. Because more than but like more often than not, it's that's the path that it leads to. It's if you get really comfortable with who you are. Um, like on an internal level, that is the root of, I think, happiness and fulfillment is being comfortable in your own skin. And like, there's a lot of really great stuff to that. But the problem is, I think people go overboard with it and make it seem as if you shouldn't be constantly learning, you shouldn't be constantly growing or improving or making yourself better over time. And it it gives people almost like, I think, a sense of entitlement, where, mm-hmm. you know it's the particip- uh, the participation trophy generation uh, that gets to well you're, you're fine just the way you are, you're fine just the way you are you got a trophy just like everybody else and it's like yeah, yeah. but you didn't win and the yeah. problem is the problem is life doesn't treat you the same way that your parents treated you mm-hmm. you know like you don't just get out into life and then be mediocre at everything and excel and live a happy fulfilled uh, above average life like if you just keep going throughout life that way, then you're always going to be subpar. And to me, that is not a way that you achieve happiness. Like happiness and fulfillment, those things come from the things that we're willing to struggle for because there's something on the other side of that thing that is equal to the improvement that we're making over time and telling your kids that they're all oh, they are perfect. Just the way you are. You don't have to do anything. You're special. You're special. You're special. You bang that in their head and they grow up. And then they're you know, 28, 29, 30, 31, trying to figure life out. They, they're they not getting the promotion. They're overweight. They're unhappy. They're unfulfilled. They don't have friends like, and all of these things, because they have this core belief in their mind. They're like, Oh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. The way that I am though. And it's like, yes, like you should feel good about yourself because of who you are, but it doesn't mean that you should just settle for being average or less than average for the rest of your life.
3: Yeah. Well,
2: that's the question. The question is, how do you feel good about the way that you are? And that's what I was sort of saying. Like you, like you can delude yourself into thinking that, Oh, I'm just good. But then you find that you wake up at 3am and toss and turn and don't feel that good about yourself then and ask yourself, well, hang on that day I had yesterday. wasn't so good. I didn't get anything that I wanted to get done. Or whatever yeah. else it could be. Like in order to like confidence to me is something that is earned. <laughs> That's yes. Only like you said through struggle, and it's so funny. Like I, I was that guy going back to my upbringing. Like I was that guy that thought like my shit don't stink. Like I really yeah. I, that was pounded within me. Um. It wasn't until I got in parallel my relationship with Steph that she was someone that would actually you know want the best for me and therefore say, Hey Jamie, like did you realize you're doing this? Yeah. I'm like no, no, I'm not doing nothing. Like. I'm good the way I am. That's what mum told me.
3: (laughs) And you know what's funny about our relationship? (laughs) He, when he was saying earlier about Stephanie will, like, try and say something but never deliver it in the way that I want, he always wants me to be his mum, <laughs> like he wants me to deliver it special. Like, oh, Jamie, I think what we should do, and just be so gracious and beautiful the way that his mother was, which is fine. And I know there's room for that in some situations, but sometimes they need to hear it not in the way that their mother would say it. Like, and and they need to, and men have to be mature enough to actually hear, like Jamie was saying earlier, mm-hmm. like what we're saying. We're not just attacking, like there is sometimes wisdom in what we're saying and sometimes you can't have it delivered the way that your mother does because that's not what you need to grow into the man. You, you were the boy back then but now you're the man. So it's just like that transition um, and a lot of men are, are resistant to that I feel like when their partners are speaking because the women sometimes just deliver it like, you know, straight <laughs> up, not uh, gentle sometimes. And they're just like, you're nagging, you're yelling at me, I can't hear what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, if you can get past that, sometimes we have wisdom to say, I feel like. All the time, definitely. The time. <laughs>
2: but it was funny, like, at the start, I would I would sort of sit back, like if she would go on some sort of rant on about something that I might have been doing, I literally couldn't hear or see what she was saying. Like I genuinely was so deluded into thinking, no, 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 you're the one with the problem, not me. You know, it took me a long time to actually look in the mirror and yeah. work out yeah. my because of that conditioning of growing up, like you're okay, like you're all good, sure. like,
4: yeah,
2: self, whatever. And I was so, I don't want to say corrupted, but that was that energy was so strong within me that it became yeah. really <laughs> difficult to actually grow because of that. And it yeah, wasn't I think that, that I'm letting that go that, that happened.
1: I, I think a little bit, a little of it too, is just like you're young, you know, yeah. like. When you're young, you think you know everything until you realize you don't know anything. And yeah. then you, you know, like kind of what you're talking about earlier, right?
2: Is yeah, like yeah. You're,
1: you're exactly. coming out like early twenties. You're like, yeah, I pretty much know everything I need to know. You know what I mean? And then you like get <laughs> yeah, onto the world, and you're like, ah, actually, I don't really know much, so I should probably keep my mouth shut and learn from
2: people. people the people that know everything is teenagers. If you ever want to know something. <laughs>
4: Next. <laughs> uh, I'm not looking well, for those days. <laughs>
1: yeah, for real. Um, I do want to. I do want to get you guys out of here, but I also want to uh, make sure that we touch on the business stuff that you guys are up to. Um, at this point, uh, Stephanie's your, your Instagram's up to over two million now. Is that right? I
3: think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: At that level, there's no shortage of opportunity. Uh, you guys, I'm sure get a lot of pitches, a lot of DMs, a lot of different directions that you could be taking the brand, different brand deals, or affiliate opportunities, or even uh, potential businesses like your clothing brand. Uh, what makes you like? You have a filter that you put people through. Like what what makes you excited about a new partnership opportunity, or what makes you decide to go down a certain path, like you did with your apparel brand?
3: Um, so it's funny when I was, uh, you know, when I got with sweat, they basically said to me, you need to drop all your sponsorships, uh, and just do sweat. That was a part of coming on with them to just focus on becoming a trainer. Uh, and I was sponsored by a supplement company and I think Gymshark at the time, so a clothing company. So I was more influencer, uh, and then I went from influencer to trainer and that was a really hard transition to me, for me, because I had to let go of a lot of cash, (laughs) And my goal at the time, that mindset of like got to put food on the table for my kids was just like, you know, use my platform to make cash. So I, we did that and then through that uh, we realised the importance of your values and also brand. Um, So that was one of the learnings of being with Sweat. Um, So after that, uh, things eased off and we were allowed to have sponsorships or whatever again after a couple of years, um, you know, we had the opportunity to do that again. And, yeah, you're right, things were like popping in, DMs, whatever, and then we were looking at them and just saying, okay, does this fit the brand? Because it wasn't about making money anymore. It was about making sure that everything aligns, and I think that's really important when you have your business to make sure that your branding is all within your own values. Um, so with us, uh, you know, instead of going back with another clothing brand. We're like, well, why don't we do it ourselves in the way that we want to do it? Because I feel like I dress really weird online. Like I'm a little <laughs> bit quick. Like I probably wear things that don't match or I'm always on the look for things. Um, you're not your conventional like matchy, matchy sets and all of that kind of thing. So I'm like, I want to bring out my own and do it in the, I, I, wear, I like wearing prop tees. I want to bring out crop tees. I want to do this and that. Um, so that was kind of the, one of the reasons that we decided to do a clothing brand. Plus I was 16 years old. And wanted to do it so i had manifested it when i was a little girl and i had a little book that i had drawn all my like designs in and all that kind of thing so it was already in my heart a very very long time ago um, and then i visited it again when i was 25 which was 10 years ago um, the same thing where i was like i want to start this clothing brand and instead of having a book this time because times change i had a folder of photos of screenshots and i was putting all these screenshots of like all these designs that i loved but then it didn't happen at 25 so now at, you know nearly 35 the opportunity came and we're like, this is the moment and it's all just kind of come together. So I feel like it wasn't like in a random thing, like we're going to do clothing. I feel like for me it was like a manifestation of when I was a little girl of something I've always truly wanted to do. Um, so it's kind of, it fits with my branding now because we've built the platform and, yeah, brands come all the time but I'm like, I don't know if that suits me or if, mm. you know.
2: Yeah, so. that was one of the great takeaways from, uh, from Sweat. Something they did really well was they were always very hesitant before... Um, getting into a partnership with someone else. Like the branding that they had was obviously very strong, big credit to you know why they did so well. But in all honesty as well, I think it was also a matter of like us uh, growing as well. Like I think probably five or six years ago, we wouldn't have even comprehended that that was actually a possibility to start a clothing brand. And even if we did have that thought, we probably would would come to the conclusion, no, we can't do that. You know we're, we're not good enough to do that like steph was talking about it before yeah but she was incredibly nervous of uh putting these clothes out there like what if they're not good enough like what are people going to say and that was like a real kind of psychological shift that happened uh over time of just doing things more and gradually building that self-esteem to know that hang on like if other with people are with the handle thinking no it out dot tv R2. um yeah. And there was a really, it was a really interesting model that I, uh, someone presented to me not that long ago that sort of made this all click as well, which was that there seem to be three different levels. Uh, I don't know if I say in life or in business or whatever else, where each level will require a different state of awareness or self-esteem, as well as um, all have different rewards, financial rewards, as well as maybe just you know purpose rewards. And what the model was was that there are spectators uh, in life or in whatever, like if we use the analogy of like a basketball game, right? Like there are people that go and watch the game or maybe if you're someone working in a business right now or working for someone else, maybe you're just there to watch the game. Like you might be standing behind a counter or doing whatever, just kind of observing, doing what it is that you know how to at that time and there's nothing wrong with that. But then if you were to go to the next level, which is the participant. So instead of watching the game now that you're actually playing the game and you might be working for someone and trying the best that you can to grow within whatever that game is, then obviously that's going to come with greater rewards. But then the third and most superior level is the creator, the creator of the game, who actually put this game together. So instead of necessarily just us becoming participants with other people, we said, hang on a minute, why not do it ourselves? Why not fill the role of the creator? And then we can actually dictate how the game is run. But in order to get there, it took a it took a big psychological shift to actually feel like we were worthy of doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah sure. What, were there any uh, big surprises? Any big hiccups through the process?
2: Heaps. <laughs> <laughs> we initially um, we expected it to be a um, the clothing brand. We expected it to be like a six month process. It turned into being like a thirteen or fourteen month process. Um, this was all throughout COVID as well, so things just. Uh, we're running slow you know in terms of getting stuff here um you know we initially thought that (laughs) we naively initially thought that um you know okay we put x amount of money into clothes this is how much we'll get back um but we were pretty unaware of all of the other costs that were going to come around that um you know we trademarked the brand um, which required solicitors etc um shipping costs we never necessarily, obviously we knew that they were going to be a factor, but we didn't know how much of a factor, like all of a sudden what we thought might've cost, you know, whatever it is, let's just say one dollar things you realize costs a lot more than that. And it's, but that's, again, that's kind of part of the game. Like it's not easy being this creator, right? It's it's difficult. It takes more work but and you're putting way more on the line to make it happen. Um, But obviously the the rewards are going to be infinitely better than what we would be otherwise.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. You're forced to level up in the process, um and you're forced to take the bigger risk but whoever takes the biggest risk if it pans out gets the biggest reward and then at the end of the day you know if this particular thing the way I always looked at it was like if this particular thing doesn't go the way that I want it to go how much did I learn in this process that will make the next time that I try something like this much, much, much more likely to be successful because I'll be able to shorten my timeline because I already have the relationships because I know what steps need to actually happen because yeah I've taken all of this stuff that was obscure living up in a cloud and brought it down into the dirt and the way where I can actually like play with it, mold it and move it into whatever that next venture is. So, uh, well, and I know we've uh, had you guys here for quite a, quite a bit. So, uh, before, before we sign off, let's send some people over to, uh, to the apparel brand. So can you guys give, uh, let us know where the best place is for us to go pick up some of, uh, some of the stuff you guys are putting out?
2: go to yondit.com yondit is y-o-n-d-i-t short for beyond it and there's a bit of a story with yondit yeah.
3: yeah so everyone's like why is it called yondit and i know it sounds really weird but um being, I was just mentioning earlier that I'm Italian, so I'm quite fiery. I'm also an Aries, <laughs> if you're into astrology. But like, um, I remember like walking around the house. And I'm always like, oh, I'm beyond it. I'm beyond it. And it like, because I want to get frustrated about things. And then he's like, oh, you're yonder, are you yonded it. I yonded it because I would say it really fast.
4: Uh, and I'm okay.
3: like, yeah, I'm beyond it. I'm beyond it. Um, and so we actually had another name for the company. Um, and we like trademarked it. Everything had it ready to go. We and, attempted to. Oh, we it attempted goes. to trade, and then we yeah. ran into issues where. Maybe Someone else so. had it in America and it was too risky. So then we had to come up with something else. And then I was like, why don't we just beyond it? Because if I'm really over this whole <laughs> issue yeah. with friend, like,
2: it, became, it became a oh favourable saying within our relationship. Yeah.
3: But then we put a positive spin on it and now it's kind of get beyond your limitations, get beyond it, um, you know, anything that you're going through. So that's kind of where the concept came Yeah, the goal though. is, I awesome. guess, to
2: provide clothing that makes, uh, at this stage women, but hopefully down the track men, like anyone feel confident enough to get beyond whatever is holding them back right yeah. now. So same awesome. thing with boy, you know, like people get frustrated with situations that they're not happy with. Um, one of the big learnings that we had in the fitness industry was that the people that felt better about themselves, whether that be as silly as how they dress, you know, that has a direct correlation with how they train, how they perform. Like If you feel better about yourself, you train better, and your yeah. results are going to be good.
3: like when I've got clean hair, I have a better gym
2: session, you know. Like-, <laughs> well, got, like, For- <laughs> like, from a guy's perspective, like, you know how it feels to get dressed up in an expensive suit
3: yeah. as
2: opposed to just hang out in your, you know, tracky gacks and an old t shirt. You know, there's a different energy about it, yeah. So, we yeah. really wanted to make that a pillar of the branding, I guess. Mm. But yeah, yondit.com is where you can find it, or you can find uh, us on Instagram or Facebook as well.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Yondit.com. Please guys go support, uh, go support Jamie and Steph. I know that, uh, I know that I know that it's going to be awesome. So stop worrying about it, Steph. It's going to be all <laughs> totally awesome. Everybody's uh, going to love it. They're going to love it. So I uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the show. Do you got anything else, babe? Anything else? You want to ask? No,
4: to I pick? just really appreciate yours this time. I've been following you for a minute, so it's really great to connect. I appreciate all that you've put out there and you've helped me a lot personally as well. So I really appreciate you.
3: Thank you for having us on. This is
1: actually, I think, the first
2: podcast we've done together. Is it
3: together? Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) Oh. Yay. Glad to be your
2: first.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, cool, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll uh, potentially do this again in the future. So uh, this is a lot of fun for us, though. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Figuring It Out podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. For more information about the show, visit www.figuringitout.tv or connect with us anywhere on social media